I'm Chris Ronzio. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Take a page out of other business leaders' playbooks and get candid advice from Chris Ronzio. People, processes, productivity, and how to organize your life around it all. Trainual hosted a virtual event in 2020 centered around empathy in the workplace. This session with author and entrepreneur Michael Ventura speaks on exactly what empathy is, why it is today's most talked about competitive advantage, and the framework for how to train your team for it. The following segment is part one of four. Awesome. All right. So everyone, like I said before, we've got an amazing speaker lineup to really help us understand what empathy is and how we can make a trainable, make it a trainable skill. So this is how we want to start. And as we started doing research about empathy and different books, we came across Michael's book, Applied Empathy, which I highly recommend. You should check it out. Michael, I read this in the last couple of weeks. And I got to say, the first time we talked when we were planning for this event, it was it, I had just downloaded it. And now I feel like a super fan. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited to talk to you about this. Thanks. Um, so for everyone else, uh, Michael Ventura is a founder and CEO of Sub Rosa, which is a strategy and design firm that's worked with some of the world's most iconic organizations, including Adobe, Delta Airlines, Google, Goldman Sachs, Nike, the TED Conference, and the Obama administration. So again, welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So where are you dialing in from today? So I have a unique scenario in that Sub Rosa's office is actually in the same building as my apartment. So I'm actually in at my desk. I'm like the only person at Sub Rosa today and every day for the past month and a half. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm in the office technically. Awesome. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I hope you're keeping safe there. I know Manhattan's kind of crazy right now. Yeah, it is. I mean, we're in kind of a, a weird little corner of town, and we're keeping to ourselves and you know getting out to walk the dog. But that's about it. Well, that's good. So I didn't prep you for this or tell you about this, but I wanted to start with kind of a funny story, which plays into this topic really nicely. So, um, you know, when we talked earlier, we love the the book that you have because the idea of training empathy, you know, first you want to infuse empathy in training when you're introducing people to a company, but then you can also train empathy as a skill. You said in the book, it's a, it's a muscle that can be trained, right? Yep, absolutely. I think it's, it's one of the, one of the most overlooked aspects of empathy that it can be trained. So six years ago, going back six years, I have a friend named Kyla that does these, um, you know, disc assessments and these kind of surveys. And one of the things that she had me take came back with all these different uh, items and empathy was one of the items on the list that I actually got like a, a quantifiable number on. So I, I want to share my screen. So this is a little vulnerable, but okay. So in 2014, that my empathy score came back as a, a seven out of a hundred. And I was like really upset about this because I feel like I'm an empathetic person. I remember talking to my, my wife and at the time we didn't have kids. We, I, did, I had, I don't think had any employees. I was a solo consultant and I knew that it was something I wanted to work on. So I took it again last week. I emailed my friend and I took it again last week. So now we're a, a different company. I have two kids, we have 38 employees, and it's a much different thing. And I feel like I've worked on this a lot, but it it is a skill that you need to really build. And, and so I thought I'd be a little vulnerable and share this as, as kind of a lead-in. I think that's great. I mean, it's a it's a perfect proof point that you know you put in the effort and, and you get a return on it. 
All right, cool. So the the word empathy has been thrown around a lot. You know, it's in the news. People are talking about it as people are working from home. It's just a hot topic. So um, you start in the book by defining empathy. So I would ask you, how do you define it? What is it exactly? Sure. Yeah. Um, sometimes I like to define it by what it's not first. And so what I usually tell people is empathy is not sympathy. It's not compassion. It's not being nice. Um, those are all good things, but those are side effects of empathy. And yeah. if you're practicing empathy, the likelihood that you will be compassionate, sympathetic, nicer to people is higher because you are able to have that perspective that you didn't have before. So empathy unto itself fundamentally is about perspective taking, about truly getting into the, the mindset and the shoes of someone else and seeing the world from their vantage. But there are three main types of empathy. There, uh, the first is affective empathy with an A. And effective empathy is what I like to think of as sort of like golden rule empathy, right? So this is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And the challenge with effective empathy is that it's not always right. The answer isn't always uh, the right answer. And the reason for that is because it's based on perception. So if I perceive that you're sad, I'm looking at you from a distance and I know that you're going through something and I think you're sad, I go over and do what I would want you to do to me when I was sad, which maybe is to console you. Mm -hmm. And so I console you and you're like, actually, like, I need some space. Can you get away? Because your version of what you want someone to do is different than mine, right? So effective empathy doesn't always connect. The second type, somatic empathy, is physically feeling the emotions of someone else. So you hear about this sometimes when a spouse has sympathy pains uh, when their wife is pregnant or nurses who suffer empathy burnout because they're feeling the emotions of their patients all the time. Super hard to train doesn't always ladder into like a successful business or leadership skill. Um, so not necessarily an area we tend to spend a lot of time. The third area, cognitive empathy, is where the foundation of applied empathy really begins. And I think of that as more like platinum rule. So instead of the golden rule, the platinum rule being do, a, do unto others as they would have you do unto them. Hmm. And the only way you're going to know what that answer is, you can't guess. If you're guessing, it's effective. If you really need to know, you have to ask. And that active inquiry, that active listening is where empathy really begins. I love that. I think when I first got married, I was doing effective empathy. <laughs> and, and now we're, we've been married 10 years. So now I'm starting to get better at it. But it's just, you know, one building block at a time. <laughs> so so have, have you always known that you were great at this or you were, you were clued into this? Or, or, you know, where did this concept and this theme of empathy come from that, that has driven your career? So uh, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 23. And throughout that whole journey, I think one of the things that makes entrepreneurs at least have staying power, I don't know if it makes them successful all of the time, but at least keeps you above water, is the ability to adjust and, and base your decision making on things outside of yourself. You're, you obviously, as an entrepreneur, have to trust your intuition, trust your gut, trust your skill sets, but also being able to perspective take on your clients, perspective take on your employees, perspective take on all of those different constituent groups and understand what their needs are and then use that to inform your decision making. That's sort of been like a fundamental process I've always included in, in my leadership and in my work. I haven't always gotten it right, mm -hmm. but I think even in getting it wrong, you're still building the muscle to your earlier point about the score, right? I might not have always had the right answer, but that perspective taking as it started to become more habitual, as it started to become a bit more ingrained in me, uh, I was able to use that more, more readily, more deftly 
to inform decision making. So it wasn't something I like, you know, I don't think I, I would say I was born with some like over indexing empathy skill. Yeah. Uh, I think we've all got it. But like we said, it's a muscle you train. And if you're not training it, it's going to atrophy like anything else. Do you think it ties to being introverted or extroverted? Or is, is there any correlation or not really? Not that I've come across. I'm a I'm a I'm a high functioning introvert. Like I I am not, like I can get up on stage and do a keynote. I can go in front of a client or a board and give a big presentation, and I can do it. But I don't recharge that way. You know, they everyone always says that extroverts recharge by being in those environments. When I'm done with that, I need to like be quiet for a little while, and I need to recharge the battery in a different way. So for me, even though empathy requires dialogue and perspective taking and inquiry and active listening and all of these types of things. Um, it's hard work and it, it, for introverts might be even harder, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. How, how does someone's perception of whether they're an empathetic person affect their ability to grow this as a skill? Do you have to want this or, or feel like you are empathetic? I think that <laughs> you have to want it in so much as anything you're going to practice, you have to care about doing. Think about anything you've kind of phoned in in your life. You're never going to be as good at it as the person who like wakes up thinking about it, goes to bed thinking about it. So in that regard, yeah, I think that there is there's a degree of sort of investment that you have to be willful about and, and commit to. But I also think that it is one of those things that you can see the returns on pretty palpably. Yes, you could like put caps on people's heads and like track their brain activity and tell them when they're in the empathic centers of their brain. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. I like to look at the the knock-on effects of it. So, you know, you use the example with your wife. I have this, I have the same example. I've been together with my wife now for nearly 15 years. And we are, uh, uh, we're in, as, as uh, my pal Esther Perel says, uh, we're in our second marriage as a, as, a, as a couple, because our first marriage was kind of awkward and clunky and kind of figuring out how to be together as a couple uh, and how to communicate the right way. And then we evolved into where we're at now. So we actually prepared a poll and we're going to put a poll up on the screen because I'm curious where everyone is coming from, whether you consider yourself to be an empathetic person. So it should pop up on your screen, everyone. You can pick one of the options and we'll see the results of this survey. Ooh, really interesting. All right. I don't know if everyone can see the results or just me, but um, it looks like it's shaken out to be over 50% of people feel like that's me. I'm, I'm empathetic. So of course you're interested in the topic and you joined us today. Depends on the day is like 37%, not really 5% and that's not me 2%. So for the, for the people that don't feel like they're empathetic, hopefully the rest of this content is really informative for you. Um, let me, there we go. Viewing poll results. There you I, go, so I, I love the 2% if I could just talk about that for yeah, a half second. Sure. So the 2% is, is where I have to spend most of my day because when we go into a large organization and talk with them about empathy, the 2% of people who don't have believe that they are empathetic or that don't perhaps even believe that empathy is important to their business is, is the, the, the folks we need to convince the most, right? Because, um, you know, for us, if you don't value this and you don't see this as an important part of your, your culture, the way your organization communicates to the world outside, um, it's going to be an uphill battle. And one of the ways that we have, we have been successful is in showing how relationships be them personal ones with your colleagues and your, and your teammates or arms reach ones like your customers mm -hmm. improve just by practicing these simple things that, that are um, seem like common sense, 
but still don't have an everyday application in our day-to-day lives, like active listening, like the right kind of inquiry, you know, these types of just day-to-day work. Hey, thanks for listening to Organize Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review or share it with anyone in your network that you think could use this information. If you want to connect with me personally, please text me 480-531-8411 or connect with me anywhere on social at Chris Ronzio. Or you can connect with Trainual at Trainual, just like a training manual. See you next time.